Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, fans, we welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Kenobi. We're going to be with you for the next 30 minutes here. If you're watching us over on YouTube, thank you very much, CompuBox TV. Don't forget to subscribe. Listening over on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and rate and review. And a quick note on the Fubo Sports Network, we're going to be airing this show on Fridays now. Friday nights, you can catch Inside Boxing Live every single week. So we thank you to Fubo Sports Network, our grateful uh, partners here. Big, big fight upcoming this weekend. Big card. A lot of fights this weekend, but none bigger than over on Showtime. And joining us on the show this week, Brian Campbell. He's with Showtime Sports. He is with CBS Sports. He's in the bubble. He has interviewed Charlo. He has talked to all the trainers. Uh, he's going to get a very good feel for everything that's going on there. He joins us on the show. Always great to catch up with, uh, with BC, one of the, the greatest guys uh, in, in boxing. We're going to get deep into that card, but there's some other action this weekend. Josh Taylor fighting over on ESPN. Uh, Breedis and Dortikos, that is a World Boxing Super Series final. Finally, they are wrapping it up. Chavez Sr., Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. are fighting each other. No, they're fighting on separate cards over on DAZN. One of them is an exhibition. The other one, I guess Chavez Jr.'s career is considered an exhibition at this point. Before we get into uh, Brian Campbell and uh, deeping, a deep dive in, into the uh, Showtime uh, world, there is a little news and notes involving Errol Spence and Danny Garcia. According to a source uh, very close uh, to the uh, situation, this fight is supposed to take place in the uh, PBC bubble over in Los Angeles where they've been holding their fights. But according to my source, they're potentially moving Spence Garcia to Dallas, Dallas, Texas, at Jerry World, where they can have fans. 20,000 fans uh, went there for the last Cowboys game, so we can see maybe see Errol Spence and Danny Garcia with a crowd over in Texas. They're working on it as we speak, so don't be shocked if you see that fight move to Texas with fans. Before we get into Brian Campbell, I want to talk about the fight that I think will, will steal the show on Saturday night, and it's I love unification bouts. The 154-pound division is going to unify on Saturday night. Jason Rosario, the champ, takes on Jermel Charlo, the former champ. And it got me thinking about how we got here to 154 pounds. Are you ready for this? For the sake of going back 20 to 30 years, we'll start this web back in 2010 with no other than Cornelius Bundridge. K-9! He picked the belt up off of Corey Spinks. Remember him? That was in 2010. K-9 then defended the title twice over two and a year halfs two-and-a-half-year span before losing to Ishe Smith. Ishe Smith defeated Bundridge in 2013. That was for the IBF Super uh, Middleweight title. Enter Arizona Lara. Lara then defeated Ishe Smith in 2014. Lara went on to defend that title five times before losing to Jared Hurd in 2018. Jared Hurd then went on to beat Tony Harrison for the title in 2017. That was the IBF title that Jamal Charlo had vacated before moving up to 160. You got it all? At this point, Hurd had his IBF title. He faced off with Lara for his WBA title. Hurd won that one in a close, in a close decision. That was like a fight of the year candidate. Hurd then defended the title against Jason Wellborn on the Wilder Fury undercard before losing both of his titles to Julian Williams that following year. Enter Julian Williams. He attempted to defend his titles 
WBA and IBF, but he lost those to hard-punching Jason Rosario, who's fighting Jermel Charlo coming up. As for Jermel Charlo, he won his WBC belt way back in 2016. He defeated John Jackson for that vacant title. The title was then vacated by Floyd Mayweather, who had previously beaten Canelo Alvarez. Canelo originally won that WBC title uh, when he beat Matthew Hatton in 2011. Canelo defended that title six times before losing uh, to Floyd. Charlo defended his title three times, Hatley, Lubin, and Trout, before losing a tightly contested battle of Tony Harrison in December of 2019. That put a halt to what would have been a great unification bout with Jared Hurd. There it is, the 154 timeline. Cornelius Bundridge, Corey Spinks, John Jackson, Floyd Mayweather, Canelo Alvarez. Just how you drew it up. At this time, we'd like to bring in the most prolific guest in the history of Inside Boxing Live. You know his work from CBS Sports. You watch his work on Morning Combat on the Showtime platform, YouTube. You see him everywhere these days. He is Brian Campbell, and he's coming to us from a discreet location in Connecticut because apparently there are some big fights this Saturday night. You're in the bubble, the fight sphere, as I should say. Showtime wants to call it the fight sphere. How you doing, BC? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me for the 15,000th time on this show. It's always great. How do you like my backdrop here? It looks like I'm in Lower Brooklyn in the uh, in the uh, Dumbo district. All right. Yeah, you're looking good over there. I just want to say that the Mohegan Sun has made some upgrades because I don't haven't been there in a few years, but apparently that's what it's looking like now, huh? Yeah, very hungover, but I'm here to do this show with you. I'm ready for action. Let's go. Let's start it off with why not? Let's spin the wheel. A lot of fights this week. Let's start with Devin Chaco. I don't think he's yep. getting enough ink. Let's start off with the uh, this Ukrainian fighter. How much tread you think is left on his tire? He's been through a lot of wars, uh, and he's in another one here with Jamal Charlo. That's something very interesting, something I hadn't really given enough thought to, and my podcast partner on CBS Sports, Ray Bartholomew, was sort of hitting that note hard this week, saying, look, man, he went through hell and back against Golovkin. Nobody, you know, walks Golovkin down and eats those type of shots and really is the same and at 34 lengthy amateur career you can make that case and I think that's in play here we got to be careful of that because Dervichenko's style he's the technician the the footwork the the technique is great but his style is to you know to quote the great Joe Goosen you better have and get inside on him I mean he's going to make it a fight I certainly believe he's going to pour out what is left at 34 winning a, a world title I mean it's it's we we over we, we sort of underscore what it actually means these days because there's way too many belts. I mean, I think I just won a, won a uh, Fieker Box title just for showing up on this show today. But, but, you know, this is the man's dream, you know, growing up in, in the Ukraine, seeing, as he told me last week, Tyson and Foreman on American TV and just saying, that could be me one day. It could be him this day. Uh, I think, you know, we have to look out for the tread. But he's going to give it all. I'm just a little bit more worried about him on this regard. Mm. He's gone to the well twice with the same style yep. against the very elite and Jacob Golovkin and only convinced one of the six judges in those fights that he was the winner. I said, look, you want to pressure more. You want to brawl. Do you want to do something differently to make this uh, to change the narrative? If Jamal Charlo was on the level of those other two, and if you can go, you know, the full distance against him, and he said, "No, I'm just, I'm not worried about the judges. I'm just going to be me." I think I have more of the fear that he's going to come out there, he's going to be aggressive, he's going to box, he's going to do a lot of things, he's going to give and take, but it's just not going to be enough for him at the end of the day. If Jamal Charlo looks as great as he does against Hugo Centeno, if he can do that on the elite level. 
I wonder if Derevchenko, as tough of an out as this is going to be, if he has enough to, to really win over those judges. I mean, you talked about his amateur career, long amateur career, fights with Danny Jacobs. You know, that was his first title shot. You know, that, that Golovkin fight, you know, I was lucky enough to be ringside. Savage stuff. Savage stuff where I walked away and I said, this is what I do for a living. Like, I sit here and watch these two guys just slug each other out for 12 rounds. I mean, it was, it was grotesque, the type of uh, savagery in, in that fight with, with Triple G. But from a stylistic yeah. standpoint, go ahead. Yeah, did you take any souvenirs home that night? I think parts Blood. of his face were all over the ring. Blood. I took blood all over the keys, the copy box. But, you know, but Dervinchenko, you look at his, he's a slow starter. He really starts to heat up. I don't think he can afford uh, to start slow. He goes down early. He has a habit of, uh, of hitting the canvas early. You take a look at the, the stats, something we do, and I'm going to quiz you here, is Charlo only throws 46 punches around. That's the least among all active middleweights. Dervinchenko throws 65 punches around. That's the most among all active middleweights. Nice little stylistic um, you know, mishmash here between these two fighters. One thing we don't know. I mean, look, the, the unknown in this fight it surrounds Jamal, and it's not his fault. We just don't know what he's going to look like against the very elite at middleweight because of the politics in this game having given us that chance. So he's a great puncher. He's athletic. He's quick. He can box. I don't necessarily know if he can fight on the inside on this level. So certainly the path for victory in my eyes for Derevchenko is to do anything he can to disarm Jamal and make him throw even less than he's yes. used to. As you're mentioning, according to CompuBox, he's not an active guy. He is a powerful guy. He does land spectacular shots. We know Derevchenko has a great chin. If he can keep himself off the canvas, because getting knocked down against both Jacobs and Golovkin, certainly that extra point seemed to really hurt him on the scorecards in two close fights. Uh, he's going to have to win the judges over, though, I think by hurting Jacobs, by giving, I'm, I'm sorry, by hurting uh, Jamal and giving him a reason early not to take control, take the lead in this fight. Mm -hmm. The only drawback I've ever had against both Charlo brothers is I don't always feel like they throw enough punches. They don't. And, like, <laughs> left the back door open for, for Tony Harrison in the first fight with Jamel. Yep. Uh, that's going to have to be the path to victory. I don't think Sergey has the power to hurt Jamal in this case and to stop him. Uh, I do expect yeah. action. I do expect a fun fight. And uh, I don't think it's out of play that Jamal might, might that combination of speed, explosiveness, power. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's a bigger puncher than Golovkin. I don't know if he's a bigger puncher than Jacobs, but it's in play that he wins this fight by stoppage because sometimes, Dan, you don't know how good you are until somebody makes you show it. And there's that unknown factor here, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, Jamal Charlo might actually be the best middleweight. We just don't know that yet. Dervinchenko's going to find out. I can't wait. I'm itching, okay? I got the hives for this fight right here. I don't care if you don't have the money for this pay-per-view. You got to find a way to see it. Don't stream. Don't you freaking stream, okay? No, I'm, you, I'm, out, I'm up for the streaming. Stream, I'm selling you out, okay? Thank yeah. you. Yeah, no stream. You're in the, you're in the bubble. What's it like? Uh, it's it's isolated, but it's nice. You know, obviously, you know, you've been to the Mohegan Sun. They they do things right. There's a lot of sad casinos in this country, and I mean that. I've gone there to cover boxing. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. I've been to High Class Vegas. There are a lot of sad casinos. Shout out to Verona, but it can get pretty sad there after 3 o'clock p.m. Uh, no, it's fine in the bubble here. Uh, you know, you're not allowed to eat together. You're not allowed to are do much. Are there people there? Or like, normal people, like, just Yeah, gambling? there's a decent amount of old people here. Uh, got the mask on. They don't care. They don't, wow. they don't care. Wow. Okay, they gotta get theirs. All right, they're in Johnny Rockets with the mask off. They're going. They're hitting the slot machines. Uh, ran into the great, the great Moro Ronaldo this morning in the hallway. He's got the jet black hair. He looks like Elvis. At yeah, the he's got that hair. 
it's ready. Okay, I'm ready. You're ready. Are you? Why? Why? Why won't you be here, Dan? I don't why? know. That's a question that's above my pay grade. We'll we'll be counting. We'll we, we will be there in spirit. Your numbers will be popping up on the screen. We're not going to be in the bubble. I want to be in the bubble. I want to be in the fight sphere. We got to call no. it the fight sphere. I know this is your show right now, but the people actually want to know what level of a fight brings the patriarch, the great, the Hall of Famer. Is he a Hall of Famer? No, he's but my, he will be soon. He's in my personal Hall of Fame. Bob Canobio, what fight does he go, sorry, kids, sorry, Dan, Nick, the other skinny brother, that fourth brother that nobody knows. You guys ain't working tonight. Aris Pina, take a back seat, bro. <laughs> uh, I'm coming in. I'm, is it like Maypac level? Maypac, yeah. Anything in Vegas where you can hop on a plane and leave like all five of us or 15, 20 people have kids now, leave us all behind. He, he's on that plane. It's a big He needs like to feel, he needs to bottle up like what he had in the 80s and 90s. If he, he sees a fight that can present that, a little nostalgia, he'll do that. Like type Fury, Fury Wilder too. He was like right gung-ho because he felt like, you know, for one night, he felt like he was back at Hagler Hearns. Oh, I love it. I love it. He's like Oscar trying to come back. It's great. We don't want him to do that. But uh, how do we even segue back to, I want to ask you about the 160 pound. Uh, what is the state of 160? Let's just talk about Jamal and say Canelo's gone. Triple it's a little bit G- wide open. Yeah. Exactly. Triple G isn't long for the sport, isn't long for the division. He's probably going to chase Canelo up to 168. You got BJ Saunders, Mangia, and Andrade. Nah, no one really cares too much about them. But let's just say Charlo. Saunders has a 68 belt. That's He's right. already up. Saunders is up. So let's just say Charlo, he wins the fight. It's a, This is considered his biggest step up, but... This isn't a star-making fight in, in a certain way. It's not. He's not getting that huge push. Where does he go from here should he win? Because there's not a lot left at 160. The bad news is he's still on the island, okay? Alone, in a lot of ways, politically. I mean, he was lucky that Dervinchenko was sort of this... I mean, he's an Al Heyman guy, but he's sort of this promotional free agent that's been able to sort of slide and be advantageous. Um, there is the potential that you mentioned, though. Star-making. Uh, look, if this pay-per-view... You know, sells more than we assume. If Jamal Charlo can win the night, let's say he knocks Dervinchenko out. And let's say, you know, in the very aggressive nature that is what we love about the Charlos, grabs that microphone and with no remorse is like, you know, uh, Canelo, you know, you are next, my friend. Right. Um, I'm not saying he will get him, but that will bang the drum. And in this day and age, and we don't know what's going to happen with the zone, and I'm not asking anybody to lose their job or go to court here, but. Um, there are ways I think Jermall could get Canelo's attention. No, right? I agree. 100%. 100%. Listen. Outside of that, I think his best case scenario might be um, we know that 154 is arguably the, lotus, the most loaded, deepest division, yeah, right? Come up. We know 90% of those guys are under PBC. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jared Hurd comes up. Maybe whomever comes up. You know, I don't think Danny Jacobs can make 60 anymore, but uh, yeah, maybe Jermall. How about Errol? Yeah. How about Errol Spence? Maybe Errol Spence, maybe. maybe <laughs> I bro. mean, I know they're, they're buddies. I know the Charlos and the Spences are close. You know, Texas yeah, natives. Try to, try but, to, you know. Marriage? Yeah. Could, it could happen. Let's go over to Jamel Charlo. And I've been crunching the numbers on this and taking a look at his, his stats and, and just exactly what exactly Jamel Charlo is at this point in his career. 30 years old. He's throwing less punches over his last four fights. He's landing less punches. But he's knocked out six of his last eight opponents. Got a little wilder thing going on here where he doesn't throw a lot of punches. He depends on late stoppages. That's not always the best game plan. What's your your analysis of Jermel Charlo at this point in his career? 
Yeah, I think the, the hidden thing about the great knockout he had against Tony Harrison in the rematch, and that was a really fun fight, by the way, is that I thought he was losing up to that point. I yeah. thought the narrative was going to be, oh, my God, Jermel Charlo has all this talent, but I just don't think, again, he's throwing enough punches or he's you know as demonstrative as he needs to be. I still think he's the class of this loaded division. I think if you made a pound-for-pound pound list right now, you'd have him number one at 154. And obviously, if he wins this fight over Jason Rosario, and the fun part about this fight is, we don't really know how good Jason Rosario is. Uh, Banana doesn't know how good he is. Jermel, nobody knows, right? The guy came up from out of nowhere. But if Jermel wins that, he's going to have control. He's going to have three or four belts. Um, I, I think the talent is through the roof, the speed, the combination, and, and really that attitude. I talk about that a lot. It's helped them in the marketing side, it, but it's also helped them um, you know, in the ring. There, there's no remorse. They go after it. I do think, though, that um, I'd like to see a better mixture of boxing and punching out of Jermel. Uh but you know, if it, if the success is there, if he get if he can get into a little bit of a, an action duel with Rosario, and if, and if he can come away winning this, um, you know, I don't know how much more we can complain against that. He has all the goods, and I do think the two fight series with Tony Harrison. You can argue if you thought he actually lost that first fight, did him good overall. Yeah. It was wake up call that uh, you can't take chances. You got to keep it in your, you know, you got you got to put it in your own hands and see what happens. But uh, yeah, Dan, he's the best in the world at 154, and if you're telling me the future. If he wins, involves him fighting, you know, Lara, Hurd. I mean, good God, all those guys, right? J-Rock, Castaño. Uh, give me a Tony Harrison trilogy. Give me every – give me – I want it all, okay? And I want it now. I, I'm ready. Jermel's the class of this. And uh, I'm really seriously about this pay-per-view this weekend. Uh, the, we know the Charlos are so competitive against each other. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to see which guy wins the night. If Maybe they both lose. We don't know. But if both win and this – from a Showtime marketing PBC standpoint, is a giant win. Here, introduce the Charlos to the you know to the world, and they won you over. Which Charlo comes out? They're you know, very competitive too. Win at the battle of the Charlo household. You know what I mean? This is going to be interesting. I know I've seen a lot of quotes. I wrote a feature on CBS about Jermel. Uh, I mean, he fuels himself off the idea that he's still trying to let the world know that I love my brother Jamal. But I'm, I'm, I'm different than him, and I might be better than him. And I think he's going to have that chance, certainly, to show us on Saturday. Uh, I don't know. You want to get in his ear, though, and tell him to throw a few more punches so you can uh, work the punch? I don't know if I want to get in there ever. I mean, those guys are aggressive. Uh, yeah, but, you know, they might. What about if they brought up the fact that they might fight each other? I know that's not going to happen, but we talk about how thin it is at 160. Uh, these guys are very, very competitive. You know, they got their YouTube page. You got to provide content. I kind of chalk it up to that. And those were early rumors of these two fighting each other. How about the non-Charlo fight on this card that most will get your attention? Yeah, we know we have four really good fights and three at the 122-pound division, but I think it's that one bantamweight bout that I've convinced myself will be the best and most competitive when John Real Casimir... Mm -hmm. I want to say Casamayor because he's my favorite Cuban, B, right? Casimiro. Casamayor was a badass Cuban. Uh, Casimiro... Bringing his, his uh, I think, a WBA title right in there against uh, unbeaten Duke Micah. And here's the cool part about this. You got you know, you got an Akragana guy against a Filipino. So you're like, all right, stereotypically, they're going to bang, right? This is going to be great. But, you know, you you produce these stats from CompuBox, and we see the numbers come out of Casemiro. He doesn't always look great in route to victory. He was won 14 in a row, but he typically falls behind in the fight first. He typically doesn't throw enough punches. Yet he's got six knockouts past the 10th round. No. Um Duke Micah is really stepping up to a very high level in class that I don't think he's been there before. I can envision a scenario in which there's action, Micah's looking great early, 
And then, like the recent Casemiro fights, he just starts coming on. This is going to be really freaking fun. Yeah, I love the fact that Luis Neri could win the night with a big knockout, or Brandon Figueroa could make us want to, you know, uh, we can talk about the matchups moving forward at 122. Uh, so we're going to talk about something else with him. Well, uh, are we allowed to talk about him? <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <Is that laughs> I don't know. He's a great trainer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the deal is that um, I'm most excited about Casemiro and to see Duke Micah yeah. get on the microphone and say, this will be Ali Frazier. Bro, bro, that's, right? That's, that's heavy. That's heavy. But think of Brandon Figueroa, too. I, I think that's going to be a good fight that you just put up. Figueroa throws a ton of punches. I mean, this dude is up there in you know in his weight class, breaking records left and right. That should be interesting. That's that's what a good undercard is. I mean, there's a lot of title fights, but give me exciting fights. Give me fights where guys throw a lot of punches. Give me storylines. There's plenty of that in this card on Saturday yeah. night. You'll be there. You'll be in attendance. You're one of the select few that will be in a closed... Is this your first time being in a closed, you know, this new environment of uh, COVID-19 boxing? This is the first time I've gone anywhere, really, since the, since the, the thing happened. And uh, I'll be in the bubble. Uh, Luke Thomas and I, of course, of, of Morning Combat are going to be doing the, the halftime, the intermission show on mm -hmm. Saturday Night Review for Showtime. So that we're looking forward to that. But, um, yeah, I can't wait to be close. Without a crowd, it's going to be interesting, right? We've seen that a lot in the UFC, how... You can hear the instructions from the other corner. You can probably hear the – if you're fighting, you can probably hear the announcers going. Yeah. I can't wait to see how that changes some of the dynamics there. But um, can you let me and the people know, why are we calling it show stats when it's, it's my friends at CompuBox producing that? It's the same reason why do we – they're calling it a fight sphere instead of a bubble. It's just, it's just how it is. You know, they, they, they sign the checks and uh, we cash them. So they want to call whatever they want. As long as that check clears. Right? They can call it whatever they want. Brian Campbell, you're the man. Go out, get some fresh air. Yes. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not allowed to get fresh air, okay? I'm in the bubble, all right? There's rules in the bubble. Fight right? sphere. Come on, man. Get it right. Hey, okay. Thank you. Thank Brian you, Campbell, Dave. we'll see you next time here on Inside Boxing Life. Stay safe inside the bubble. I love you. Thank you. I love Curran's hair. Thank you. I'm out. Special thanks to our guest, Brian Campbell. Maybe his 300th appearance here on Inside Boxing Live. I'm going to set to send him a gold jacket. He'll be in the bubble all week long. He'll be there Saturday night. Uh, this is the big fight. Big pay-per-view. Uh, the first pay-per-view since the shutdown. And it's, uh, you know, it's a controversial pay-per-view because everything the Charlos do uh, is, is controversial. Big step up for both guys or step up for Jamal going against Devinchenko. That's going to be interesting for a lot of different ways. Uh, mostly what will be talked about with Brian in terms of can Derevchenko, you know, step on the gas pedal? Will he keep it going, you know, 65, 70 punches from that first round? Because he's a slow starter. Also goes down early in those fights. Jamal Charlo's going to want to make a splash. He's going to want to make, uh, you know, a, a big statement. So is Jamel. The last time both these guys fought on the same card, one of them lost. That was Jamel, that first fight to Tony Harrison. You know, a lot of pressure on the Charlos. You're seeing them everywhere. They're doing a lot of media appearances. These guys don't like to do media, uh, but, you know, something they're doing. Some other news and notes I'm just reading, looking down the Twitter timeline. It's now seen that Canelo, DeZone, and Golden Boy had a 10-hour uh, meeting uh, to try to hash out everything that's going on with them, get Canelo back in the ring. Listen, I would love to see Canelo back in the ring this year. Canelo sitting out from legal issues, is not good for boxing. Boxing needs to put their best foot forward left and right. I don't want to talk about ratings. I don't get too much into that, but look what the UFC is doing. They're churning out huge ratings, turning out big fights. We need to get back to this. Canelo has to get back into the ring. 
No more of the, you know, the, of the, the fighting. Gotta have Canelo in the ring. Gotta have the biggest fights, the best fights moving forward. We're getting closer to Tiafimo and Lomachenko. We're getting closer to Gervonta Davis fighting on pay-per-view. Things are starting to happen in the world of boxing. You just gotta be patient. Next week, we're gonna talk about the Charlo pay-per-view. We're gonna talk about upcoming fights in October. Thank you very much for joining us. For everyone here at Inside Boxing Live, Dan Canobio signing off.